Welcome to the Thirst for More podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Smitley, where we sit down and talk with strength coaches, personal trainers, nutritionalists, and other professionals in the fitness and strength and conditioning field to help athletes, parents, coaches, small business owners help level up their game to provide athletes and clients world-renowned success, either in the weight room, on the field, or on the platform. Enjoy today's episode. On episode 14 of the Thirst for More podcast, I sit down with Ben Kane, who's the co-host of Price Plow and works at PricePlow.com. I got to know Ben through my time at Nutribio, and he's currently since then moved on from Nutribio, but he's still highly involved in the supplement industry. And part of his job in, entails informing people about supplementation, uh, what, what good supplements look like, what bad supplements look like. You as a parent, coach, supplement user, trainee, personal trainer, what you should be looking for in these supplements to find out whether they happen to be something that can be useful for performance or fat loss or strength gain, and uh, if they don't have these these requirements. So Ben does a good job of making this information readily available to the general public, but also breaking it down in terms that the average person can understand if you don't happen to know the science and the nutrition side of things. So if you're going in to try to find a protein powder from a from a company or a, or a certain store, you're semi-educated enough to know what you should kind of look for and, and kind of be aware of if there are issues with a particular uh, supplement line or company or, or even a particular product. So we kind of moved this conversation that way so that you can take something away from it in terms of the educational side of supplements because we do talk about how we think supplements get a bad rap and that's not always true because there are really good companies out there. They're doing a really good job. They're leading the industry. They might be a tad bit more expensive, but when it comes to knowing that you're going to get what you're paying for, this is definitely one of those industries where you spend the extra dollar to get the extra quality and we kind of talk about a couple different supplements that athletes in particular can benefit from and the positives and the negatives and, and some other things you might consider that you maybe didn't consider in terms of aiding performance from a very simplistic point of view. So Ben is somebody I, I really appreciate being on doing this for me. Uh, there's nobody else that I'd much rather ask because he's going to give you unbiased information. That's what his job is, is to provide unbiased information. Uh, we do let you know that you know I am with Nutribio and he has worked with Nutribio, so there might be a, a seemingly biased nudge towards Nutribio, but that's just because we know what they do on the back end. So since he's worked for that company on the back end, he knows and everything he saw in that company from a day-to-day basis and the operations standpoint, and not many people can say that. They just push a certain uh, company or product merely because they're probably getting a kickback. Um, in this case, this is not the case whatsoever. Ben's giving his unsolicited advice uh, with, with no kickback returns or, or anything like that. So uh, I would highly suggest you check Ben out. Uh, both on Instagram and all of his videos and stuff at pricepile.com. He's got a lot of good information available for you. We will also have all that linked in the show notes for you. So enjoy episode 14 with my man Ben Kane. Hey Ben, this is Brandon. How you doing, man? Hey Brandon, how are you? I'm good. How's everything in New Jersey? 
you know, we're uh, we're not supposed to be working out. We're not supposed to be training, but uh, we're making do. We're yeah. uh, we're trying to stay fit over here. Yeah. Uh, sounds like you guys are opening up over in Indiana. So. Yeah, yeah. So uh, for everybody that's listening, parents, coaches, um, kind of explain what you do at Pricepile. So I've I've kind of done in the intro to explain that you know you you work with um, Pricepile and and know a lot about supplements and supplements are always been a hot topic in the fitness industry. Um, can you just give a brief rundown of like what you do, how you got into the supplement industry and, and how that's kind of come about over the past couple of years? The easiest way to kind of explain what our mission is at Pricepile is to spread as much education and awareness on supplements as possible. Uh, obviously my background at NutriBio, which is where we met, prepared me a lot in uh, education for manufacturing, formulation, and production of uh, supplements. But what I try to do with PriceCloud is to break down the marketing, remove all the fancy labels on stuff, and try to get to the core of what supplements are going to do for you, what you can expect. And really my main uh, driver or goal through all this content is to give consumers the uh, tools to not need me anymore. So if you watch my videos enough or if you read our content enough, you should be able to learn to break down these products to the point where you can go into a store, turn the bottle around and understand it for yourself. I think um, most people rely too much on listening to other people for what they should be taking, what they should be doing, how to follow their fitness group. But my, my main goal through my content is to provide enough education so that people can actually understand what's going into these prices. They're not as complicated as one might think. Right, right. I know, I know as a, a coach, that's probably one thing that we get asked, you know, is there any supplement my kid should be taking? And you know, generally we say, no, you know, there's, there's way too many free options for improvement in terms of work on nutrition and sleep and hydration. But we do have a couple kids every now and then that, you know, we recommend either quality protein if they, we feel like they need that extra recovery, or we recommend, you know, vitamin D if they're not outside or fish oil, if they just don't eat any kind of fish on their diet. So we, we make some very select smart recommendations but like we said that's there's so much other stuff available that if you're eating like junk i'm not going to tell you to take a protein powder um, and i think that's a big big misconception but like um you know I, I think many parents just have like you said have no idea they need to be kind of educated so one of my first questions for you is i would say the number one question we get is should my kid be taking protein um in your opinion um you know do you think that's an option and i'm gonna say this is for high school i'm gonna say middle school athletes yeah. just high school and above and if so um, you know, can you break down the differences in protein powders? Like most people just see a protein powder and like, oh, I'm going to go grab that one. They don't know that there's isolate and casein and soy and um, you know, different options. So kind of break down the difference between an isolate and a, and a concentrate and, you know, casein and things like that as well. Yeah, I think the easiest way to look at this, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you, all of your athletes would be eating their body weight in protein through healthy whole food sources, right? You know, we've been eating a variety of fish, chicken, eggs, and beef, but it's, we're talking about high school athletes here because of their, their day-to-day schedule and just the fact that it doesn't really taste all that great to be eating chicken and rice all day long. It's not always an option to tell them to be getting all their protein from their diet. And I think for that reason, I would say most athletes should be looking at a protein just because, you know, I figure you can, you can probably eat like one or two scoops of it pretty easily throughout the day. And that's going to easily add up to another 50 grams of protein, which is going to mean a lot for a high school athlete, I think. Especially at the weight, you know, I'm, I'm considering most of these kids are going to be under 200 pounds. 50 grams of protein isn't a small amount. Um, so I would definitely recommend for most kids, it's just going to be easier on their lifestyle to add protein. 
when you talk about different sources of protein, though, it's where we get into a little bit more of a complicated discussion because a lot of brands out there are going to try to um, deceive the consumer by calling it like a 100% isolate or uh, they'll use all sorts of fancy different names to make you think that this protein is so much more than just a whey protein concentrate most of the time. Uh, and so for, for the sake of this discussion, we can just start, talk just off the bat about whey proteins. There's a bunch of different whey proteins. The simplest would be concentrates. Uh, concentrates, it's, it's whey, which is when you heat up milk, it splits it between whey and casein. We can talk about casein as well. But whey has then varying levels of purification or you know, some people would call it process. Uh, I don't see processing as a negative thing in this case, but the more you process whey, the closer you get it to being an isolate. And you'll see different versions of, of protein. What you can actually do is divide the protein dosage on the supplement facts panel by the total serving size, and it'll tell you how much whey per serving is there. Um, our good friend Mark Leisure talks about this a lot, and you'll actually see varying between like some proteins that are 50% protein by weight all the way up to 90%. Obviously, the, the, what I would tell most consumers we're looking for is something that's at least 70%, which is going to be usually around a concentrate. Uh, concentrates contain a lot of really healthy immunoglobins and other um, you know, factors like IGF or different healthy things that come when you don't process the milk as much, which is going to help with recovery and growth and stuff like that. The more you process it, you then actually remove lactose, which is really helpful for a lot of athletes that are dairy sensitive. Right. And then you get into it like the realm of isolates. So if you're a person that does not mind dairy all that much, I think most athletes and powerlifters are going to fall into this category. We, we all drink a lot of milk and stuff. Uh, the concentrate really shouldn't bother your stomach too much. But if you are a person with those dietary restrictions, you need to have as little lactose as possible. You're going to want to look for more of an isolate. Outside of that realm of dietary restrictions, I don't recommend isolates for people. Uh, unless you're like a bodybuilder that's like three weeks out, you need to have as little lactose as possible. That one gram of fat or two grams of carbs is not really going to matter all that much. Uh, I, I would recommend for most athletes to be looking at whey protein concentrates because it's a little more economic, so it's easier for your high school student, that's absolutely. But it's also just it's just simpler. And honestly, they're going to taste better as well. <clears throat> right. And... Um... I know that that's usually a, a question that we get is the isolate and the, the concentrate and what the difference is. And I know personally that my, my body doesn't handle concentrate. Well, um, I get the protein farts really bad when I have it. Um, and so I, I stick with an isolate for me and I usually have no problem with that. Um, so now that we've got, I guess something that we can add to is that generally whey is seen as a faster digesting protein uh, in terms of absorption um, let's talk about the other side of the coin, which is casein. What makes casein different than isolate, maybe structurally, but also like where you might recommend a, a, a casein versus an isolate, or if you would recommend even a, I know some people recommend blends where you've got a little bit of, um, some companies make them already blended and some people choose to blend them. Um, I choose to blend them myself because I know I need the isolate um, and the casein. I also like to be able to control what I want to. So if I want more whey or yeah, more whey over casein, or if I want more casein over whey, I have that ability to do that where something that's pre-made, I don't have that, that option. So go ahead and talk about casein and its benefits and the, the differences between that and whey. So there is some data to believe that casein may be more beneficial uh, in terms of the amino acid content. Um, and I always try to remind people here that like when we're talking about like what's best for an athlete, we're talking about like if you mentioned like a food pyramid of different factors, uh, overall your 
overall protein consumption is even the most important. That's your base of the pyramid, the most widespread section there. So we start to talk a little bit more about like the amino acid content, the meal timing and stuff like that becomes less important. It will help if we're trying to find a more optimized zone for the athlete. We'll, we can be honest about that. But um, I try not to worry about it too much for most consumers, most athletes. That the casein is going to be a great option if they're looking for something that's going to keep them a little satiated a little bit longer. And I think that's the strongest case for the casein is that it's a little bit thicker. It keeps you less hungry for a little bit longer. And there is some data to believe that it's a little bit more beneficial uh, than whey protein isolate in terms of the immunizing content for, for recovery. I think the best case scenario here is a blend of both of them, like you kind of talked about, uh, something like a 55% isolate to a 45% casein, which is also really going to help out with the consistency because let's be honest, casein is not the best tasting or best texture yep. to be drinking. And I, I, I'm assuming that a lot of your viewers or listeners are going to be younger athletes or parents of athletes. Um, and it seems to me like uh, adherence to these diet protocols is really important for a lot of these people. We're not talking about world record lifters who will do you know anything. Something that's still kind of easy to drink or, or enjoyable at least. Uh, I, I think that those blends are actually the most uh, enjoyable because they, you get a little bit of the thickness section from the casein, but the, the lightness from the isolate. Um, Ice, casein is traditionally used pre-bed because it'll last a long time in the stomach and you get that longer amino acid re uh, release. But that's not something I would drink during your day. If you're, if you're buying a casein on its own, I would mostly use it at the end of the day before you go to sleep or mixing it with the whey protein isolate during the day. Okay. And let's briefly talk about soy protein as well. It's not as popular, but there are some people and companies that kind of push soy over um, whey or casein, um, obviously you've got the, the vegetarian based views of why you, you may do that. Um, but there's also, I think the research is still back and forth where soy based foods are good. And some say that they're bad. It's, I think the research is always going back and forth. I don't think there's a definitive answer. I don't know if there ever will be a definitive answer, but in, in your opinion, when it comes to supplementing with protein should whey be an option outside of the vegetarian based athlete um you know i kind of always follow that the, i don't know this isn't really like original to him but stan efforting always says that something is better than nothing and you know if you are a plant-based athlete if you are looking for something in that realm soy will at least help um there was a really interesting study last year i think it was last year or it was early this year that showed that plant proteins in comparison to whey protein, like even with added amino acids to make the amino acid profiles completely similar, still did not stimulate muscle growth or recovery at the rate that whey protein did. Um, so it it will help in a case where you don't, you are not able to get uh, animal proteins in, it will help, but I would strongly recommend that you not do it. I'm not really worried about phytoestrogens in, um, Ice in, in, in soys. A lot of people talk about estrogen in soy. I don't think it's really that big of an issue. I just don't think that it's as effective at recovery than like a, an animal protein would be. Yeah. Okay. And so this kind of segues nicely for me because you're talking about amino acid profile. I would be willing to bet that if a parent or coach is listening to this, they they may have heard, they probably heard of BCAAs or I know when I was mm. in college, it was BCAAs. <laughs> um, and, and even now, um, EAAs, so essential amino acids are pushed probably a little bit more than BCAAs, I feel like, in, in terms of marketing. Um, I know I take EAAs when I train, which I got from, from Meadows. Um, and 
by taking Intrablast from NutriBio. Um, go ahead and talk about the uh, about amino acids specifically. You know, BCAAs and maybe what the difference is between a BCAA and an EAA blend. If an athlete chooses to take that to a performance, whether that be while they're training or you know they they drink a jug of it before when they get done with practice to be able to at least get them something in before they get home and, and eat dinner. Yeah, I think to start this off, you know, if, if parents are listening, and, and I don't mean to uh, dumb anything down too far, but just so everyone is on the same page, the amino acids are the building blocks of protein. So if your, you know, child or your your athlete or whatever is consuming as much protein as they really need, there's not a lot of data to suggest that amino acids, in addition to the sufficient protein intake, would improve recovery that much more. So a lot of this comes down to how much is your budget worth versus you know your performance i would still like if you're talking about an athlete that is really looking for as much of a competitive edge as possible i would still recommend an essential amino acid product during your workout or during a cardio session if that's fitted into their budget if they're willing to purchase that kind of stuff the main difference between bcas and eaas um it's kind of hard to explain without telling you that BCAs are EAAs, which makes it even harder to explain. Yeah. Essential amino acids are essential amino acids, uh, or sorry, essential amino acids are aminos that your body cannot endogenously produce, which means that whatever you eat from, from the world, you can't produce them within your body with those needs or those nutrients. So you have to ingest them from protein. You eat protein, it breaks it down, and it gives you these nine essential amino acids. Now, three of those essential amino acids are the BCAAs. Uh, the six others, for some reason, at the beginning of this amino acid craze, were not utilized at all in products. I, I don't know why. Um, there were a few early companies that kept coming out and saying, guys, you're missing out. There's six other essential amino acids here. You can't forget about these. But people were just really crazy about this. There were a few different doctors in the space that were doing some studies that I would say were a little uh, biased because of some paying from companies that wanted BCAs to be a big deal. I would strongly recommend that you look at an essential amino acid profile over BCAs. Now, the reason that people like BCAs is because leucine uh, at a sufficient dose will increase your muscle protein synthesis. That's what your body uses from protein to increase muscle protein synthesis. Uh, but I kind of give the analogy for people to understand that uh, taking BCAs without the other six essential amino acids is like sending workers to a construction site without the brick and mortar. Those workers can go to the construction site. They can, you know, check in on the time clock, tell them that they're there and ready to work. But if they don't have the brick and mortar, if they don't have the tools to create anything, there's, there's nothing that's going to be made. You know, they need that, those brick and mortar is really the only way to put it, to create muscle within the body. So... Uh, I do think that essential amino acids are helpful for a lot of athletes. Um, if budget is an, is an issue, a lot of people are like, all right, well, look, my supplement regimen is becoming expensive. It's the first thing that I would pull out. I would always strongly recommend protein over essential amino acids in that order. But if you can afford it, I think it is helpful for a lot of people. I do know that like for myself, if, I, if I'm taking something like intraglass, which I mentioned before, I actually can notice a significant difference in like my endurance through the workout. I feel like I have a lot better working capacity. Uh, and I definitely feel like I recover faster. Yeah, I, I would say I agree. I almost feel that when I train and I don't have um, my supercar, my intra-blast mixed together, that I I want to tail off of my, my training a little early. Like I, I might want to try to cut a set 
or, you know, my, just the way that I feel while I train, I don't feel like I, like I can continue to go a little bit harder um, with those, with those two particular products, at least for me. Uh, it's in general. purely an anecdotal thing. Uh, there's yeah. not a lot of evidence to say that like essential amino acids really give you that much of like an acute response. Yeah. It might be a little bit stronger in the super carb carbohydrates in this workout. Like that's something I could also talk about. It's like, I think are super important for athletes, definitely more important than amino acids in your workout. But, um, I, I feel that exact thing, same thing. Like, you know, you're, you're doing 10 sets of squats, those eight, nine, 10 sets start to look a little more difficult. Yeah. Um, so since we got on that brief talk out of, of the carbs, um, I, we just mentioned super carb, which is a highly branched cyclic dextrin, which is a, a carbohydrate source. Um, it's the way that I try to describe it to people. Cause everyone asks me what I have in my jug, which I have with me right now. Cause I just got done training, you know, an hour ago. Um, you know, what's in the jug and, um, they're like, oh, they since it's flavored and it's got color, they're like, oh, it's just aminos. I'm like, well, actually, there's carbohydrates and aminos, so it's more of a, a fuel for the training. It's not necessarily that the aminos are anything fancy like we just discussed. Really, the super carb is probably the main driving factor. I was incredibly pumped when NutriBio brought that on because yeah. John Meadows was way ahead of the curve on that. Um, and so to see NutriBio bring that on, I was pretty excited. Um, go ahead and explain, like you said, why carbohydrates are are important during training for athletes, whether it be, you know, soccer practice or football practice, or even just training in the weight room, why would that be beneficial? Um, and, and also kind of maybe break down the difference between a Gatorade and, and a cyclic dextrin. Like what, why, why would maybe an athlete prefer to choose cyclic dextrin over a, a Gatorade product? So obviously, uh, you know, your, your body is a very complicated version of like an engine. And you need fuel to fuel the engine. I'm dumbing things down really, really far just so that we can understand things a little bit better. Uh, if you are participating in a really hard workout or whatever, you're going to run through that fuel quicker, just like if you were drag racing a car as opposed to driving on the highway, you're going to run through that fuel a lot quicker than you normally would just living your life. In this case, your, your glycogen stores within your muscles are depleting pretty quickly, um, and you need to be replenishing those and giving yourself more fuel for your workout. Uh, you don't see a lot of really great athletes that are ketogenic dieters because they're pretty deficient in the fuel that they're going to need to perform necessary reps. So uh, a carbohydrate supplement helps out a lot. And, and I'm, I'm not going to get too hard on those dextroses and gatorates too hard. Um, you know, obviously Mike Israel and the RP diet guys over there actually like Gatorade for a decent amount. But I think that as a starting point, it is a good place to start. The dextrose does help a lot, um, and it is going to provide you fuel. But the problem with a lot of dextroses and maltodextrins is that they sit in your gut and they don't get through it very quickly. So it's not really helping you out in the immediate time. And the other issue is that that digestion to digest those carbohydrates pulls a lot of blood and energy from your body. It's a very stressful process to actually digest, which isn't very easy for someone that's already trying to push a sled perform squats, deadlifts, whatever it may be. It's, it's two different things at once. So the benefit of using something like cluster action, the highly branched with dextrin that Nutribio uses, is there's a high uh, gastric emptying rate because of the, the molecular weight. It dumps through the stomach extremely quickly. Um, a very, very, very small amount of people do get a little bit of stomach issues because it empties so quickly. But for the like 99% of people, it's extremely beneficial because you get that energy source extremely quickly. Um, I try not to train without it. I think that it is 
probably one of the most beneficial things that I've added into my diet. Um, I know as a, I'm not, I'm not a coach like you are, but you know, as someone who's a bit of a mentor or an educator for a lot of people, I try not to give too much credit to any supplement because I want most of you know, people that I help with to really focus on their diet and training their recovery. But something like Supercarb helps me out so much to the point where like towards the end of my prep, if I don't have it ready, I'm, I'm not even going to train. Like it's that helpful for me. I know a few other power lifters that agree with me. I know a lot of different athletes that just, they can't train hard without that kind of carbohydrate, uh, supplementation and i know that it kind of sets the bar extremely high for me so without it is i'm just not doing the same yeah yeah i i completely agree it's just it's it's really hard to explain until you don't ever train with it and then you have you know one two three weeks of training with it and then you just realize like i'm not as fatigued like i can i can just keep going if i really want to because i mean if you're especially like we're talking about spring sports and you know you've got either multiple sets or squats or just you know, you got a lot of accessory work that day, whatever it is that you can finish through and continue to have the same kind of energy. Because when you don't have that, and like you said, when you're tail in towards prep or, you know, you're, you're cutting weight. And even if you're, you know, you're a physique athlete and you know, you're not allowed a whole lot of carbohydrates, but you are maybe say allowed like a hundred, just having that 25 while you train can change everything in terms of your, your mood and the way you do train and the way you're able to get after it uh, when you actually do need to, to train hard to try to maintain or build as yeah. much uh, tissue as possible. So Meadows did a. I know you, you brought talked about Meadows with in terms of intra workout EAAs, but also he was big on carbohydrates and cluster reduction pretty early on, and he actually brought it into like mostly. I think it was like seventy five percent of his carbohydrates were consumed peri workout pre intra post. Yep. And it, was like, it was something that I started to experiment with, and it's. Uh, I think one, it's really helpful for your training, uh, but two, if you. If you're a, if you're trying to cut weight or if you're some sort of bodybuilder or whatever, it kind of leaks into other sports where you have to maintain a weight class. Um, there's only so many carbs you can eat throughout the day, which is kind of hard. And so moving it around your workout, I think, is the best for your performance needs. Uh, it might be a little bit more difficult in the morning having breakfast with just proteins and fats, but I found that in those kinds of scenarios, it, the, the benefits of it greatly outweigh the cons. Right, right. Okay, so I guess another another thing I want to talk about, these are probably two of the most popular or talked about supplements regardless, and the first one is going to be creatine. Um, that, that's probably another thing that parents come to is, you know, should my son be taking creatine? Is it legal? Is it safe? Um, and, and I tell them that it's definitely the most studied supplement that's out on the market. It's got the most um, as we're talking about monohydrate, there's obviously different kinds, but, yeah. um, you know, as a whole, creatine is definitely the most studied supplement on the market go ahead and explain what creatine is for anyone that's listening if they don't know what it is and then you know is it quote-unquote safe um and you know would you potentially recommend it for a high school athlete that you know maybe is looking for a a minor edge that in my opinion you know creatine is very affordable so it would be one mm-hmm. of those things where like you know if you got the spare change here and there it probably is worth dumping in but go ahead and explain and talk about creatine yeah, I think creatine is pretty cool. Uh, and one of the things I like when, when I used to work in, in retail, and when parents would come to me and ask me about creatine, the first thing I would tell them was like, well, your son's already taking creatine because every pound of red meat has, I think, about a gram of creatine uh, within it. So that kind of helps dispel a lot of the worries that our natural diet is, well, you should be eating red meat if you're an athlete. And so most of those athletes are already getting a decent amount of 
uh, creatine. So it helps dispel a lot of the worries about kidneys and liver health. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have these really uh, preconceived notions that creatine is going to help or it's going to hurt their athletes in some sort of way with their, their kidney function or something. Um, I believe there was a study that showed that like, people with pre-existing kidney issues could have problems with creatine. Um, and if you have pre-existing kidney issues, like, there's a lot of other things that we need to be talking about. I think that with all of these things, you obviously need to have a clean bill of health to even consider any of it. And so for that reason, I don't really feel the need to address you know, these kidney issues, the liver issues, because if you have those pre-existing conditions, you shouldn't be really listening to us itself. You should be talking to your doctor. Um, for a healthy athlete, I think that creatine, I try not to prescribe anything as a must, but if there was something that was a must, it's creatine. Because it's very, very difficult to get that efficacious dose from your diet. It's not like protein from where you can get 250 grams of protein pretty easily if you actually work out it and eat it. It's going to be pretty difficult to get a full dosage of creatine from your diet. So it's way more, it's just easy to take five grams of it daily. It's very affordable, like you said. Uh, you know, Nutrio has an incredibly affordable and pure option. A lot of companies out there, you go right on Amazon to search it. There's a lot of great companies that, that provide it. I really don't think there's almost any downside to creatine. Some people experience a little bit of bloating from it, but if you're drinking water like you should be, that's a complete non-issue. Um, in my opinion, it's completely net positive. There's really no downsides I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, for what it actually does, <laughs> which I completely skipped over, uh, creatine actually in the body helps your body create intramuscular ATP stores. So uh, creatine will, over weeks of usage, you'll notice uh, maybe extra reps per set or adding a little bit of weight per set. Um, it's not going to put 40 pounds of muscle on you, but it is going to, over time, increase your performance uh, from a lot of different standpoints. And it actually even has an acute effect of being a bit of a new traffic, which can help with your focus in the gym. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree that I think it's a, definitely one of those things where if you if you're going to look at supplementation and your protein intake where it's supposed to be and you know, you're, you're working on your recovery, the next probably step is probably going to be creatine, especially if you're a, a power athlete where you're doing more short bursts, you know, even, even runners will see some benefits, but I definitely think that, you know, those, the football player or the basketball player or the shot putter, like they're, they're going to see some pretty good results, especially in, in the gym. I know I'm a, a fairly decent responder. I can tell when I take it, um, you know, my, my lifts overall feel better. I feel like I can make progress more consistently where if I don't have it, um, I, I almost feel, I don't say I feel flat, but I can tell that the water retention that I get, um, definitely, I, it's just a noticeable feel when I train versus when I don't have it. And I, I'm, I'm, I would say that most cases than not, I get it. Um, but there's some days that, you know, I don't have any. Um, so that kind of blends into my next one because the other one is, everyone asks about pre-workouts and um, while I think pre-workouts have their place for some people, um, again, we got to remember we're talking about supplements. There should be supplement in what you're doing. Um, you know, if you're not getting the sleep and you're not getting the quality food, like that's free ways to feel better and, and have energy in the gym to where you don't need a pre-workout. Um, I, I think sometimes that mental acuity that you get from caffeine and some of the other smaller things that people and companies put in them can give you that mental mental focus, but I don't think, you know, pre-workout is not going to help you build muscle any better than um, any of the other supplements that we've already, already talked about. So I guess talk about um, pre-workouts and if, if uh, let's say if a, you know, a 17 or 18 year old kid's junior, senior, 
you know, is looking to maybe take that before a Friday night football game or, um, you know, something like that where they've got a big competition ahead, would you maybe recommend something like that? And then also just what's the difference between a, a good pre-workout and a bad pre-workout? So that's a lot there to unpack. Uh, a fun story, maybe kind of to set the tone for this, was actually last year. I'm going to keep coming back to this because it's our mutual uh, friend. But uh, Mark Laser brought me a beta of a new product that he was putting together that was supposed to elicit a really incredible pump. And uh, I was at a point in my life where I was working like crazy. Like I was so overworked. I was burnt out. Um, I was like in the middle of a really intense prep. Um, and I was just like burning the candle at every end. Like it wasn't even both ends. It was like if there was a four-edged candle and I was burning every single end. <laughs> and I took this I took this beta like three different times and I was like, Mark, I'm not getting any help from this. Like I, I have I have no clue. So he finally gave me a fourth one and he was like, if this doesn't give you a pump, I think you're probably dead. And it didn't do anything for me. And I think the like the moral of the story, because I came back and it was like a 30 gram pump product. And the moral of the story is that like if you're not sleeping well, if you're not recovering well, if you're not doing everything that you possibly can, like these supplements aren't going to do almost anything for you. Uh, and so one of the things that I, I think for a lot of people is that these pre-workouts have created like a psychological dependence. Um, I think that for the most part, a lot of these products could have like absolutely nothing in them. And if you told the, the consumer or the kid that it was going to make their workout twice as effective or something, they'd probably have a twice as effective pre workout because that's what they think it's going to do. Um, and so for a lot of these, it's, it's, it's no more than just a flavored colored drink that contains caffeine and for that reason is going to give them a psychological reason to think that the workout is that much better. Um, there are quite a few exceptions right now. There are great pre-workouts out there. Uh, Neutral really kind of ran a really incredible change in the industry where there's a lot of efficacious pre-workouts out there that I would say do improve your workout to a certain extent. But at the same time, uh, it's not something that is absolutely necessary. Minus uh, the creatine that's involved in a lot of them and uh, two other ingredients like beta-alanine and taurine. Most of the other ingredients are things that will benefit most people, but it's a minute difference in my opinion. I think that the ma major thing that people are looking for in an acute setting is the caffeine or the stimulant response. Um, the rest of it... There's some data to show that it really makes a difference, but I don't really believe that it's that much of a difference that everyone needs to freak out over having a step. Um, legally, I have to say here that anyone under 18 shouldn't be taking any of it. It's, that's required of me, but uh, it's, it's a difficult conversation to have because I take pre-workout about 75% of the time. Mostly it's because it's my job and I have to stay up to date with the industry and I have to know, know what's out there and it does help me and I have it and it's within my budget. But for the vast majority of kids, I don't really see a need that it's gonna do all that much for them. I'd rather, it's kind of for me, it's similar to like a weightlifting belt. I would much rather see them create a great training environment and experience for themselves without using these pre-workout ingredients. Uh, maybe drink a little bit of coffee before they go in the gym, take the creatine, beta alanine their taurine separately uh and then just have a good workout on its own and then when they're ready for more stuff then think about it um i think you and i both know quite a few champion powerlifters or athletes of very high caliber that don't think they need any of this stuff yep. so at the same time if spending 30 dollars a month 
gives these kids a great playing experience and, and, and makes them stronger in their head. I don't see that much of a con to it, but it's still creating a psychological dependence on something that I don't think is very necessary. Right, right. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. That's a good way to, to put it, that it's probably almost as much of a placebo effect as it is an actual benefit of training. And while there are some, you mentioned some good ingredients with the, the beta alanine also came to mind to me, citrulline kind of came to mind, um, obviously caffeine and creatine. And like, those are the biggest ones that I think of that whenever I look at one, like if it's missing stuff like that, that's super simple, um, relatively studied well and shows relatively good results. Like if, if your pre-workout doesn't have that and you're looking to get, get one, I think you're, you're not looking at the right product. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about product labels. Cause this is probably, I would say that in the fitness industry, the, the supplement industry, which is kind of like a side of it is probably either overhyped or it's always being bashed at because, uh, you know, people, you know, I'm not going to name any company names, but some companies just do a really crappy job or they lie what's on it, or they, they say they outsource stuff and they don't even put it in there or they use fillers. Um, so there, there are good and bad. I guess talk about, I'm trying to think how I want to say this, talk about how um, the sub, how you can find a quality supplement. If I'm going to go into my local supplement store, whichever one that is, and I'm going to start looking at um, some different products, what are, do I need to look on that label to tell if it's a, a good one or if it's not a good one? It's just a really difficult question. Uh, I think there was like a consumer, some, some sort of uh, foundation that runs consumer health and they ran a study, I think last year, and it showed something like 54% of products in the supplement industry that were sent out for testing were completely underdosed. Um, and part of the problem with those kinds of scary studies that come out is most of them are like including like really sketchy gas station supplements and, and, and stuff that most of your consumers are not going to find. Um, one thing that I can say for our current industry is that the big three stores that come to mind when you think of supplement store GNC, Vitamin Shop, and Bodyglue.com all have extremely large regulatory departments that work every single day to at least make sure the products in the shelves are safe and, and following FDA guidelines. And one of the things that I have to really talk about when we say when we talk about uh, compliance and transparency and labeling here is that a lot of, um, you know, we'll call them Karens or like scared parents will say out there that the supplement industry is completely unregulated. It's the Wild West, which isn't really true. There's a very, there's a few large laws being a um, DSHEA Act of, I think it was 2004, that uh, defined what a dietary supplement is and what ingredients are allowed to be put into products. There's also FDA's CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations 111, that defines how you have to manufacture, label, and market supplements. So there is regulation out there. The problem is that the industry is so large and it is so cheap to start a company these days that People pop up out of nowhere, and the FDA really can't enforce it all that well because of a lack of manpower. So for the most part, with all of that said, if you go into most of these reputable stores, um, I can't really speak for most small brick-and-mortar pop-owned stores. There are great ones out there, but there are also ones out there, like any other business, that just want your money. Um, If you walk into a store and you turn a label around, it is fully disclosed. So we're looking for something that does not contain what's called proprietary blends, where you'll see a fancy name for for the blend. It is a total dosage for maybe 12 different ingredients and it doesn't give you the dosage of any of these ingredients. 
that's going to be the first step to finding something that could possibly be good quality. There's a few different steps to this, and a lot of them, unfortunately, aren't things that normal cons consumers can do. There's no way that you could go into a store and know where everything is manufactured, which is why people like you and I often gravitate towards companies like Nutribio, Ghost, places that are transparent about their manufacturing, possibly even do it themselves. So the best thing I think for most of these consumers to do is to not trust a store, which I know is a little bit off of what I was just talking about before, but to go online and familiarize themselves with the actual brand, with the actual personality of the company and find companies that manufacture it for themselves. The easiest one for me to recommend is Nutribio always. Uh, and, and I do have to disclose the bias here that obviously branding is sponsored by them. I used to work for them. I still am a client of them. I still work with them in some different capacities, but uh, there's also companies like Cage Muscle, which are BSCG uh, tested. They make sure that all their products are manufactured in one of the highest quality manufacturing facilities that I've ever actually visited and do their due diligence on third-party testing. Um, Ghost out there does all the third-party testing and it's hard to find companies like this, but if you familiarize with yourself with who runs these companies, it can be a little bit easier to see through the smoke and mirrors on the stuff. Um, one of the things that I have to note is that all of these things that I'm talking about here, like third-party analysis to make sure that the products are meeting label claim, are required by law, but not a lot of companies actually follow through and do it, which is a pretty scary reality. So what it really comes down to is most consumers doing their due diligence to learn where the product comes from, and learning a little bit more about whether that company is caring about the end consumer's safety and results as, as a part of that. Yeah, yeah. And I know, um, like you said, I'm, I'm obviously still sponsored with Nutribio and um, I, I recommend their products over anybody. And I usually keep a couple of my, you know, my own personal supplements there. Some people ask me questions, I at least got a bottle and I can show them, you know, if, if they notice how, like you said, the big thing to me also too, and I talk to parents is the, is the proprietary blend. You know, if it, if it says that, in my opinion, just put it back on the shelf and go mm -hmm. find a different product because it's not necessarily that it's bad, but you just don't know exactly what you're getting. And it's 2020 you can find a product that can beat that. It's not hard. It might take a little bit of work. You may not actually get it out of the store. In most cases, you can probably find at least one in a store now, I would imagine, um, of almost the major stuff. But if you can't, you can always go online and find it, um, and, and it'll probably be at your house you know, within two or three days, especially if you got Amazon Prime or something like that. Um, and then the other thing is that you know when you're looking at your protein, um, we, we talked about the protein by weight. You know, Look at, on the serving size, it says the scoop might be, 28.75 grams and if it's got 25 grams of protein in it that's a really good sign that's a yeah. really good sign what the problem is, is when you got something that says it's got 20 grams of protein and the scoop and the serving size says 40 grams that's that's a, a red flag that means out of the half that scoop only half of its protein what's the other half it may be on that label it may not i don't know but that should be of concern yeah. um, so those are probably the two things that, I, that came to mind for me um, when it comes to like looking at the back of labels, what's, what's in there and, and how to, to double check that. Um, you kind of touched about this too, about the, the FDA um, inspected. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's also what I heard whenever I was in college. Um, my dad was really like, you know, it's not regulated by FDA. I'm like, well, it is, but it's not like the meat that's in the market, which, yeah. you know, let's be honest, that might even be worse for me than some stuff that's on the, on the supplement shelves based upon what the cows are being fed and what kind of, you know, how they're kept and, and all that kind of mumbo jumbo. Um, so I guess talk about, um, 
you, you brought up NutriBio and Ghost and some of these other facilities. What, um, what regulations would, obviously people can't go in and look at these, at least, you know, you have to travel to them or whatever, yeah. people go through marks or whatever. And obviously you can't do that before you buy it all the time. But when they're, they're looking for any kind of approval on a product, what should they look at? Is there any kind of certain um, like stamp of approval or any kind of like letters or acronyms that might be able to tip them off that, Hey, this is probably a decent, decent product. This is really where I, I have to transparent in here and tell you that there's almost nothing. Uh, there are some things like uh, NF for sport. Um, there's, there's a few different uh, certifications that companies can go into like BSEG for drug testing and stuff like that. But uh, one of the things you see thrown around a lot is CGMP. Um, which is really funny because you can actually throw CGMP on any product, and that, that like that the, the emblem that you'll see is not trademarked. Like you can like you can take that off of any website, just throw it on your product. Um, GMP certifications come from third parties. Like the FDA does not actually approve things in this industry; they audit. So when people tell you this product is FDA approved, they're I would actually steer completely clear of there because nothing is approved by the FDA; it's continuously audited to find out if there's anything going wrong. And the problem with that being that the way that the, you know, the Code of Federal Regulations is enforced on supplement manufacturing is constantly changing. Each auditor that will come in, and, and let me say, I was at Nutribout for two audits, um, and you never really get the same auditor, and each auditor is fairly skilled at one spot of that auditing. So one will be a little bit more skilled at looking over your um, adverse reactions reports, or one will be a little bit more skilled at looking at your cleanliness or, you know, whatever parts of this huge amount of code of federal regulations they'll be enforcing at the time. And how they interpret those regulations changes over time. Uh, because basically what it says is you, like for instance, for your, your testing, you have to scientifically quantitatively prove that your label meets label claim, or your product meets label claim. They don't tell you that you have to test through HPLC or you have to test through like whatever testing standards. They tell you, you have to be able to prove this. And so I think for instance, uh, Mark at Nutribio was actually, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, Mark, but I'm pretty sure he was responsible for kind of pioneering how they dealt with pest control with, with mice and insects and stuff like that. And if you walk around Nutribio, you'll see at every single portal, like where you, uh, enter or leave a, a part of the GMP clean areas, there's on each side of the door, a mouse trap on the ground secured to the wall. And the actual distance from the door and all these things kind of pioneered and set the tone for moving forward what other companies had to do. So this regulation of that and the enforcement of it and the interpretation of it is constantly changing with who does it the best and how it's done. Um, the issue with that being is that there's no like one place that you can go to and see these guys are good, these guys are bad. One of the nice things is that the FDA does release their warning letters. So if someone gets in trouble, say in May, there was a manufacturer in uh, Georgia called NutriCat, got a pretty large warning letter for including some uh, illegal stimulants in their products. Now you can go online, you can look all of these up. This actually is true for the drug and the food and the cosmetic side of the FDA, all of these, you can see all of these warning letters posted publicly since they're public uh, information. And it kind of helps you whittle things down, but the problem with that is the on the flip side, you don't know who the good people are, you just know who the bad people are. Um, and that really comes back down to familiarizing yourself with the industry as much as possible, which is a lot for a lot of consumers to learn. It's a lot of time invested 
So uh, most people should, would have to look to, uh, you know, your, yourself or myself or someone who would be trusted in the industry to help get that information out there. Um, one of the easiest things, you know, you kind of asked me a couple times in different ways, like what, how can a person find the pre-workout that's right for them or the company that's right for them? I do publish maybe like twice a year, like my top five pre-workouts, my top five proteins, stuff like that. And that I try to change it every year with, you know, what's released, what's changed and stuff like that. But for the most part, the unfortunate part is that if you look at most companies marketing, they're always going to tell you they're the best. They're always going to tell you they manufacture under the highest uh, standards. They, they're obviously going to tell you the best things about themselves. No one's going to tell you that they were involved with that company that got that warning letter in May. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was really good. Um, and I also think that you said trying to be familiar, I think that's also where you've got to try to find either a coach. If, if you're, you know, in my shoes, if you're ever a parent, you know, if you're going to a gym or whatever, you need to find a trainer, a coach that seems to be relatively familiarized with, um, products. I think part of our job, even though I coach people in a weight room, I still need to have a general understanding of general nutrition, general supplementation you know, hydration, recovery, like I need to have a general knowledge to be able to sniff out BS. And I feel like if you're going to a, a coach with a, um, you know, a, a particular, just this one product and it doesn't, it never changes, you know, there's not options or, um, you know, different ways that might be a red flag. Um, because I know some supplement companies will let people be ambassadors for basically nothing, which means they're getting kickbacks for pushing something, which they may not even use. That's just an extra revenue stream. Um, you know, there, there's some that come to mind when I think of that, but then there's others that you know, generally do it, do a good job. So I think that's another factor is we've got to be educated. You got to trust the coach that you're working with. And, and also hopefully, you know, if you're going to recommend something, hopefully they've taken it. I, I don't recommend anything that I've not taken. So like, I'm not going to go tell you to take, um, I don't even know what, what some of the companies are, but you know, I'm not, if someone said, Hey, should I take, you know, muscle tech protein? I don't know. I've never taken it. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you what it tastes like, what it costs, what, you know, any of that stuff, but I can give you, I can tell you what Nutribios flavors and everything else are. So I would probably recommend that. Um, so I think that's a good, good point there. And that's where this gets really hard is that, uh, I mean, I, I tell people and I try to make sure I'm as transparent as this, what I say is possible. Like I can look at muscle techs, uh, labels and I could tell you like, you know, on paper, this looks like it would be really good, but, um, I actually know where most tech manufacturers, but like if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you like if it's actually going to be effective because just because it's on paper doesn't mean it's actually going to be right. what's in the product. And that's a really scary reality. It doesn't happen too much anymore. Back, you know, a couple of years back, it was a little more prevalent, but man, uh, it's a kind of a scary reality that you could think that this product's doing a lot for you and it, it really isn't. Uh, I, I, know, I can bring this up for a little bit. Uh, that was a big thing for John. I don't know if you saw that a couple of weeks yeah. ago. He published a video. He put together this incredible intra-workout product for a company out there. Um, I won't name names just to keep this as little controversial as possible. But um, actually sends it out to be tested later on and realizes that this product that he had been pushing for so long um, didn't actually have the ingredients that he wanted in. It, it, actually, it was actually quite a horrible product with which was actually manufactured so really unfortunate but it does happen in this industry yeah and and anybody that knows john knows john's a great guy he stand up and i think that also shows whenever he he didn't really necessarily go after him but he just straight up called him out and you know quite honestly you know some people would be like man i'm making a ton of money off this i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut 
um, mm-hmm. because I might, you know, see a better financial gain if I just continue to push it because the profit margins are better. But, you know, John was not worried about that. He had the integrity to call that out. And um, that's honestly why I gravitated towards NutriBio years ago. Was it just, I love the transparency. It was at the time, because I've, you know, I've been with them since 2013, but I've taken their products since undergrad. So that would have been at least 2010, 2009. It might have been 2008. So, I mean, I've been with taking their stuff for 12 years. And back then, to find people that were doing no proprietary blends was like unheard of. I mean, proprietary blends back then were probably pushed more than anything. Um, and so that's, that's a good point that, you know, there are people out there that do a good job. Um, so, you know, that's where you got to kind of talk to people and ask. And that's why I usually tell people, it's like, Hey, I, I've talked to Mark and I obviously talked to you and I've taken their stuff. And that's the number one reason is the, the transparency. Even if you don't believe in the product, at least I can tell you that, you know, Mark's got the integrity. That's what's going to be in that product. If you want to be third party tested. And obviously now, you know, you can look up the, the number on the product and actually go, um, I can't remember what they call that. Where you can checkmysubs.com. Yeah, yeah checkmysubs.com yeah. and actually see really cool. you know where the batch came from and all that, which is you know a really good peace of mind for parents that if you do want to buy something, do that and just look for yourself, and that I think that will give you a little bit of uh, like I said, peace of mind. So one of the things that it's funny, like a lot of people who are on our side of thinking about it will say, like, well, why would anyone even want to purchase or create a proprietary blend if it wasn't for profit? And just to give the devil's advocate side of it, there's a there's a faction of people out there, and one of the guys who really came up with the idea is a, a good friend of mine. I respect him. I, uh, you know, people have different personalities or thoughts. Uh, they say, well, the proprietary blend creates a certain amount of uh, like mysteriousness or curiosity in the product that you you're taking a product and you're expecting an effect, and you because you can't see the formula, you're going to be less. Uh, focused on your, I'm not really sure exactly what it is, but it's like the mysteriousness of this product is going to give an effect. But I think that the the viewership that we're looking at uh, and these real athletes, they're going for a specific reason. They're, they're, they're looking for a specific ingredient or for a specific reason. And for these kinds of advanced users or people who really are at the top of their game, that's just simply not enough. A company like Nutribio, like always is the one that I would recommend first because you get peace of mind, and even if you're not the kind of person that's going to go look up those uh, testing, like it just you just know that it exists and it makes you feel better about it. Yeah, yeah, and also that when they, they said with the project events, also we also got to think about we're talking about athletes, maybe not so much high school. I I don't think that the like drug testing is there quite nearly like the NCAA. <laughs> but if you are an NCAA athlete and you choose to take some kind of supplementation, you know you never know when you might get tested. And the last thing you want to do is be taking a product that somebody has got um, a proprietary blend on there that said that, you know, the ingredients look like they're okay, but then, you know, there's something in that proprietary blend that's not necessarily accounted for. And then you pop positive for, you know, oh, yeah. some other kind of um, miscellaneous item that you're not supposed to have that that doesn't look good on you. And then you're going to try to go back to the supplement, but the NCAA is going to say, you know, you're, you're responsible for what you ingest. Um, so that's, that's another thing. And I guess since we're on that topic um, for, for college athletes, I think one thing that I've always kind of wanted to know, I think I know why this is, but I didn't know if you know, why is it that for a collegiate athlete, I think parents will understand this either for a collegiate athlete that a division one school can't offer a whey isolate product. They have to offer something that has a carbohydrate uh, to protein ratio of at least, I think it's at least two to one, isn't it? 
Yeah, there's this really weird rule about it. I have no idea. I'm going to be honest with you. I, if you really want to get conspiracy nut with me, I think it has to do with like them having allegiances with like muscle. Uh, what was that company? Uh, muscle, muscle milk. milk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly I couldn't tell you. Um, it, it might even have to do with like what some old nutritionist had had to say about carbohydrates and fats along with protein. Um, but I, I do know that I tried to put together a, uh, a collegiate protein where I was at Nutrout, and that was a pretty big hurdle for us because most, I mean, like, even if you are an educated athlete, most people are still afraid of carbohydrates for some god-awful reason. Yeah, yeah. And I, because my opinion was that, you know, that that chocolate milk study that everyone goes <laughs> back to, uh, I don't even know what it's called or what year it came out, but everyone knows the chocolate milk was studied when it came to the carbohydrate to protein intake and it's pretty much two to one it's like my opinion is that they lean on that research that it's mm. been studied so then since it's two to one that if it's not two to one or greater that it may not have the intended effect and it may not be safe and yada 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 and that's that's what i think i don't know if that's actually what it is but um so i guess um to, to get away from that really quickly um the other thing is it's probably way more in the male population the female Let's talk about um, pro hormones and test boosters. I know that whenever I was in college, I think I tried one one time and like it just, it made me feel really weird. I, I, I did, obviously did not need it. Um, and who even knows what was in it back then. Yeah. Um, so go ahead and talk about test boosters and pro hormones. And whenever kids ask me about it, I say, don't do it. That's the biggest waste of money in my opinion. You know, you're 17, 18, 19 years old your hormones are never going to be as good as they are between now and when you're 25 run for that for the why you can go ahead and talk about yeah. the maybe the products that or say products maybe the ingredients that maybe have some merit but then you know may why you would either recommend or not recommend it for you know an 18 year old high school kid or maybe even a college kid that's listening to this so for the majority of these it's, it's really uh animal studies which is what makes this really difficult um yeah, obviously animal studies have some merit, but when it comes to like something like this where your testosterone is like really, I mean, like it's very specific to humans. Like we're not talking about a lot of different scientific pathways. Like we're talking about the way that he, like human males respond to testosterone very specific to us. And there is, there are a few ingredients out there like fenugreek or um, boron helps a little bit. Um, there's, there's a couple small ingredients out there that may possibly uh, help out. We've actually at PriceBell run a couple different products and gotten our blood tested. And there was, like I, I get nervous about saying this, there was a significant in, change in testosterone. Um, I'm talking like my, my, uh, my boss at PriceBell, Mike, is uh, in his late 30s. Uh, already had a testosterone count of like low 600s, which is great for in your late 30s. And uh, after taking this product for four weeks, uh, it was in the upper 700s. So we're talking like, let's say like 150 point increase, which is a significant change. But what most, like, like that looks really great on paper. And if you showed that to an 18 year old or a 20 year old, they'd be like, I need to take that now. But what most consumers don't understand is that even if you had that 100 to 150 point change over a 16 week period constantly, that is still nowhere near the super physiological levels that you're thinking of when you look at bodybuilders at a very high caliber, you know, right. Um, this is like a really controversial topic. And I know most of your kids are like collegiate athletes or tested athletes, but a lot of these kids are going to compare this to the, what their, their standard is. It's like a athlete on drugs. 
And what's really hard to explain is that you're never going to find a naturally occurring ingredient that gives you the effects of that. We're talking about having a testosterone level of 700 to 750 versus um, taking an actual exogenous source of testosterone, which is going to put your testosterone, I'm talking in the thousands. I'm talking like 1,500 to 2,000. So it's really hard to say that having a testosterone level sub 1,000, like 700, 750, whatever, maybe 800, over the course of like 16 weeks is going to give you anywhere near the benefits of taking an actual drug, which is going to replace your testosterone production and put you in the thousands. Yeah. Um, you're just not going to have the same benefits. Um, for you know, I, I will tell most people that if you have like a sub, uh, I don't know what you call it, subclinical or some suboptimal level, if you have like 300 to 400, you're not really in the low range, you may find a difference in your quality of life. Um, but the real but there is that if, you know, for the most people that you're talking about, college athletes, high school athletes, or even like slightly post-college, if you have a testosterone in that level, uh, testosterone level in that area, there's an underlying cause of that. Like this is not something that we should just be taking supplements for. There's a lifestyle change that you direly need to make or something that you need to address. There's a reason that your hormones are in the garbage. Um, it could be sleep. It could be diet. It could be a lot of different things. But that is like almost always way more of a reason that you need to go to your doctor. Um, and I'm not even saying like a lot of people think like I'm saying go to your doctor to get on TRT. I'm saying go to your doctor to figure out what's wrong. Right. Um, yeah. And in terms of pro-hormones, SARMs, all of that stuff, um, I will surprise most people and say there actually is a promising amount of data on SARMs. I don't like pro-hormones. They're mostly designer steroids that people created in the lab and like I said before, they replace your natural natural testosterone production, which that'll be great for the eight weeks that you're taking it. But after that, it's going to be really horrible when your body isn't producing testosterone anymore. Uh, but the problem with all of these things is there may be incredible data on SARMs. Like Austrian actually has a really great study on bone density with women. There could be a lot of great things out there. But the fact of the matter is it's not legal for you to get. And for that reason, you're going to have to buy it through the black market. And for that reason, you're not going to be able to make sure that you're actually getting quality stuff. There's like, when you buy it, Nutribio creatine monohydrate, you know that you're getting 99% pure creatine monohydrate, and you, you know that for a fact. When you go out and buy one of these SARMs off of a sketchy website, like they might tell you that they have a drug te test on it, or they might tell you that there's third-party analysis. But that third-party analysis can be made in Microsoft Paint, and you'd have no clue. So like, I, I surprise most people and tell them that I actually have read the data, and I think that a lot of these compounds could be extremely helpful for a lot of people. But when it comes down to it, it's just not worth it because of the actual way that you procure these chemicals. Right, right. And I guess the, the, the last, like probably one or two supplements that I probably would want to, I think that parents and athletes probably look at, um, and I'm going to kind of lump them together because we can get these from food very easily. Um, it just makes life a little bit easier if we have them. And that's like a, a multivitamin fish oil. And then, um, I'm also really big on ZMA and then vitamin D3, which if you get a, in my opinion, if you get a good quality multivitamin, it's going to have D3 in it, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, sometimes it's not there. Um, but, and then obviously 
zinc and magnesium are also in in those but that's also used as something that you take before you go to bed to help with sleep quality and um some some anabolic mineral support so to speak and then fish oil is obviously just fish oil in a capsule it's nothing you know revolutionary but people don't eat a whole lot of fish or at least quality fish um, and I'm, I'm inland, so, you know, we don't get good quality fish here very often. It's pretty rare. So I guess I want to kind of lump those in together because, in my opinion, they're basically vitamins and minerals, and then you get that extra um, fish oil on top of it, which is healthy fat. So go ahead and talk about those and where those might come in to help with either performance or quality of life because um, I think a lot of people could just benefit from those just in general. Yeah, I think you, you – you tapped it pretty hard on the head right there. Uh, when you talked about being inland, you can't get good quality fish. Like that's kind of just the idea for all of these here. Like, can you get all your micronutrients from your diet? Uh, yeah, you could, but the problem being one that a lot of food is outsourced into the United States, which is horrible quality. Um, a lot of our soil in the United States is completely overused, which makes our you know plants and the things that eat the plants being the food, the, the animals that we eat, or if animals are put on, on grain, it's even worse. Uh, downstream of all of those things, you don't have all the micronutrients that you're expecting to get from these products. So um, could you possibly eat enough fish every week to eat your essential fatty acids? Yeah. Could you get your minerals, your, your nutrients, all that stuff? Probably, but it's just way easier to just throw a multivitamin in the morning, take your fish oil throughout the day, take your ZMA before you go to sleep. Um, Part of the problem, like, like you, you mentioned vitamin D3, like they say like you're supposed to be, I think, outside like 30 minutes a day to get your vitamin D, but I'm pretty sure you also have to be naked outside to get that much vitamin D into your body. <laughs> I, um, I'm pretty sure like if you're wearing a t-shirt and pants, like you're not going to get it. So right. uh, a lot of these things for most people who are working a job, have a family, you know, got to do other things with their day, you're not going to be like spending your entire day optimizing the way that you're getting this stuff into your system. It's way easier just to purchase these products and take them and not have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. And the the big reason, I guess we can kind of talk about those vitamins, the, that the the vitamin D3, um, the zinc and magnesium, and I'll also kind of lump like vitamin K, um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, and maybe vitamin E. Those are, pro and yeah, those are probably the main ones I'm thinking of. Those are they're also, like you said, you can't get the micronutrients through the food as easily, but also like the vitamin D is based upon sunlight. So where you live might play into factor yeah. that. And then also the nice thing about those products um, is that they're, they're really relatively affordable. Like a, a good yes. quality multivitamin is not going to break the bank. Even, even Nutribio's multivitamin, because it's, it's a serving size is four pills. They're, they're dosed so well that I only take two a day. Because yeah. I'm like, like it, there's just, there's so much good quality stuff in there. One, it makes the product last longer. So you get more from the bank for your buck when you're, what you're purchasing. But, um, you know, if you need to add something like, oh, that's what I do is I take, you know, two multi, um, multivitamins a day, two of the four pills. And then I make sure I take my extreme joint care, which that's just for me because I have banged up joints and everything else going on. Um, but and then I also just take a D3 on top of that. And that makes sure that I've got it at least for me, the vitamin D that I have my, at my levels, right. And if I get outside and everything, if I know I'm going to be outside all day, then I just won't take my vitamin D3 pill that day. Um, you know, I'll, I'll save it for later, but vitamin D3, like I get the 2000 IU and I think it's 120 counts. So that's two pill or one that's 120 pills. That's four months worth is like $7. <laughs> and and the, and the, the return on investment from 
your quality of sleep and, you know, bone mineral density. And I think there's even some levels, uh, some tests related to looking at testosterone levels and what those play yep. out with vitamin D3. I think there's just like, it's one of those supplements that should always be in your cabinet, in my opinion, regardless yeah. of your kid, adult, doesn't matter your gender, what you do. It should always be in your cabinet. And if you're somebody that gets outside all the time and camps and does all stuff, then you probably don't need it in the summer months. But guess what? It's at least in Indiana. And I know in, in New Jersey, it snows. You're not outside <laughs> probably. You're probably not outside 30 minutes a week, let alone in a day. Yeah. So that's something that you can can add. Um, and then you obviously, we talked about the, um, the, the zinc and magnesium. Zinc and magnesium are also super low in terms of what's being ingested and i personally feel a difference um whenever i get it in and when i don't um i guess that's one last something we can briefly talk about is you know explain the i'll let you explain it rather than me explain the 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 dreams kind of stuff that zma gives people and, and do you have any idea is there a is there a particular part of zma that does that or is it just because they're all combined or is it because the the rim the REM cycles are better. Do you have any idea what, what causes that? Before we jump into that, I do want to mention, you were talking really about the, the high quality of the multi-sport from each row. Yeah. What are the, it's, it's, I have to, I have to really plug them for this because one of the huge things that people miss on these kinds of products is it's not only the ingredients, it's not only the dosages, but it's the uh, sources of the ingredients. Like there's a few, yeah. there's a few vitamin sources out there. Like uh, there's different forms of magnesium, different forms of calcium. Uh, different forms, a lot of things, and the one I'll talk about is vitamin B6. Uh, you can take vitamin B6 in the form of pyridoxine hydrochloride, and there's actually studies to show that taking pyridoxine hydrochloride, which is B6, actually leads to your body having lower levels of B6. Like, supplementing it makes it lower in your body, but if you take a version called P5P, it'll actually incredibly increase them in your body. So a lot of companies out there will throw this version B6 in there because it's cheap, but it looks good on the label. It won't do anything for you. Nutribio uses such high quality of these ingredients. They use P5P for their K. They use an incredibly high quality K. Like there's a lot of different stuff in there that for most people, they don't really need to, even to, need to take the full dosage. Uh, and like you talked about before, like we make commissions off of selling Nutribio products. So like it would obviously behoove me to sell even more of it and tell you to take your four capsules. But I will tell you that for the massive majority of people, you could definitely get away with half the dosage on that yeah. yourself. So uh, a lot of that stuff, like, like you mentioned, extreme joint care as well. You could definitely go out and eat curry every day to get your curcumin in, but it probably wouldn't be very pleasant. It wouldn't help yeah. you nearly as much as extreme joint care does. Um, that's one of those products that I feel like within two weeks. So yeah. Um, yeah. Jumping onto the, the zinc, the magnesium, and uh, I think there's also vitamin B in there as well. I actually don't know what it makes you sleep and get those crazy dreams. I don't, I, I'm not sure what the exact actual like part of that is that makes you dream those crazy stuff. But like, I remember having like, when I first started taking it, like, I think it kind of went away after a certain time, but I remember like having weird dreams about just vast pastures of cows for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I would have to say that you're probably just sleeping so deeply that yeah. your, your mind runs crazy. Um, and, and that's another one of those products that your body just needs. And I would even say the magnesium there, like most athletes, um, I'll give a plug to any of your other sponsors. I read an article a couple years back on an elite FDS about vitamin D and magnesium, how important they are for strength athletes. And I was like, man, this is so cheap. I'm just going to like take a crap load of this and see if it makes me, and I like, I haven't stopped to this day. Like I love vitamin D and I love magnesium and I can't seem to take enough of them. 
Uh, yeah. One of the things about vitamin D specifically is that because it's a fat soluble product, uh, most people are very deficient in it. And it's going to take a long time for them to actually get back up to the normal level. Um, a couple of years back, I went to a doctor that ran my vitamin D and he said I was so low and I took 10,000 IUs for two months before I was actually even uh, up to the right levels of it. So, oh, wow. yeah, most people vastly underestimate the amount of vitamin D that they need. Because like you said, most people could be outside for less than a half hour a week, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I know I take, I think on average, I think I'm getting between four and 5,000 IUs a day is about what I take. And then, like I said, if there's a day that I'm outside, you know, doing stuff without a shirt on or, you know, I'm in the pool or whatever, then I just don't take that 2,000 IU. I just cut back a little bit because I know I'm probably got it, got enough. And then also the magnesium thing, I think people don't realize that that's, um, it's important in terms of electrolyte balance. Yes. And when you, when you're an athlete and you're sweating and everything and you're not, you know, everyone's going to push uh, sodium and water, sodium and water. And it's like, there's more than just sodium and yeah. water that you're sweating out. There's potassium and there's calcium and um, there's, there's other things that you're losing. So make sure that you're getting that. And that's one reason why I also like taking it is that I'm like, you know, I'm, my gym does not have AC so in the summer months when it's 90 degrees the gym is 90 degrees training in that is not sometimes it's enjoyable but you know it, kids are also doing sports outside and everything else they might be sweating three to four hours in a day after they've been to my gym and they've gone to basketball or football and it's like you know if you're not not only eating well but you're not having these micronutrients in you as well no wonder why you're getting cramps or you know you're having to sit out and like you're, you're just dying because you're not replacing you might be replacing the fluid which is great. That's one preventative measure, but the fluid needs something else with it. And that's the, the magnesium and the, the calcium. So. I think uh, most, I know, I know most larger athletes and most like competitive athletes will probably break at this at one point in their lives, but I became obsessed with sodium last prep. Like I was, I was getting so much sodium into my diet and it was mostly through reading St. Efferding's yeah. uh, stuff. It was just crazy about sodium, but I was completely neglecting magnesium and potassium. And, uh, I mean, I'll tell you what, like I was, I'm, like I was 275 in my last meet. Like that's a lot of sodium to get you up there. And uh, I was, I don't even know what the dosage of sodium was getting by the end of the day. Cause I, was, I was just salting every single meal, every single thermo tabs before I work out. And like you, I work out in a warehouse gym. The, the times that we have AC on in that place are very few and far between. So if I'm squatting, um, you know, a max effort session and then going to do my deadlifts afterwards, like I'm, I could sweat a couple pounds out and yes. work out. And, uh, you know, you might think that you're replacing it in liquids, but those liquids will go straight through you without the proper electrolytes alongside it. So uh, that is something that I, I always now try to tell everyone is as much as salt might help you. Because I'm a huge proponent of salt for, for strength athletes. I think that it is massively important for muscle contractions, preventing cramps and all that stuff. You need to match it with a great magnesium and potassium intake. I try to put spinach in every single meal that I eat in some form. Um, Potassium in a dietary uh, supplement way is kind of difficult because you're not allowed to put over 99 milligrams of it in a capsule yeah. um, legally because there's some other stuff. Potassium is really involved in your heart contractions and stuff like that, so I understand. The other problem is if you eat too much potassium at a time, you can have some pretty horrible diarrhea with it. Um, it was described to me as dry heaving of the other end. It's just <laughs> absolutely, absolutely horrible um, having been someone that I had to find my dosage right and it took a little bit but for most athletes especially in a setting like yours where they're really hot there's no ac electrolyte balance is extremely important yes all right so the last thing is do you we've covered a bunch of different 
um, supplements and recommendations and maybe even some things people didn't even think about when it comes to uh, nutritional habits. Is there anything else that you think that we missed or, or you're like, hey, there's one particular um, either ingredient or product that might be beneficial to improving athletic performance for um, the college or high school um, age athlete that we maybe glazed over? Digestion health is the thing that I've seen most over the last year. Um, there's not a lot that you need, but um, I mean, just from a dietary standpoint, identifying things that are not really great for you, that, that you don't digest very well, is one of the big things. Like, um, and, and I get a lot of this just from reading Stan's book. Again, I'll, I'll bring that back up again. But um, for the most part, like white rice, beef, uh, fish, are some of the easiest things for people to eat. Uh, and being mindful of like your fruits and veggies, like eating low FODMAP foods, stuff like that doesn't inflame you too much. And then identifying certain things, like everyone's specific, things that bother your stomach and, and removing them, that's gonna have downstream a lot of benefits on your recovery and stuff like that. But um, a really like a simple uh, digestive enzyme and a probiotic can help a lot of people out. Um, there's, I will tr transparently say that as of right now, in uh, July of 2020, the, the gut is not understood extremely well. But we do know that the gut is covered in so many nerve, uh, nerve endings that it's kind of like your second brain. Uh, a lot of the times we have like a gut feeling about something. There's a reason that all that stuff is happening. We don't quite understand it yet, but the, cut, the gut is super, super helpful uh, and important. And it could be ruining most, uh, I know like strength athletes are not always known for the cleanliness of their diet. A lot of us really are focusing on calories over quality. So improving gut digestion is pretty important. Um, outside of that, we hit most of the fundamental stuff that I would introduce to most people. Yeah, I, the, 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 the quality is something interesting because for, for once in my life, I'm actually trying to gain a little bit of weight. I don't know when I'm going to compete next. And I just, for, I just want to bench 350 and I don't really care what I weigh. And then I'll peel back the weight if I want to try to do it in a certain weight class if I'm, you know, way too far over of one or the other. But um, that I've for once been trying to make sure that those food, the food's better. And it does feel like I don't have to eat as much um, as I would, you know, might say, Oh, just put down a big Mac and you know, that's going to get you a thousand calories and then just go from there. And it's like, well, it's not, if I, I might eat that thousand calories, but who says I absorb that thousand yeah. calories, maybe I only absorb 600 of it. And then it gives me a stomach ache and I'm lethargic and I feel like crap. And then you know that also produces me to not be hungry later. So then I might, put off eating when I probably know I should. And I'm just, I don't want to, don't want to shove down that, that, that rice and beef now because I ate that garbage earlier. Um, and I, I think that's, that's a good, very good point that um, I would say most parents know their kids need to eat well, you know, you need to eat fruits and vegetables and quality carbohydrate sources and beef and fish and eggs and whatever. But the vast truth of the matter is both kids are at school and then they're like, oh, here's breadsticks and chicken nuggets and chicken tenders and pizza and french fries. And it's like, you know, there's there's a reason why you're not, one, you probably are gaining weight because you eat a bunch of garbage. But, you know, you're, <laughs> we go back to the micronutrient thing. Um, we go back to the, they're talking about inflammation um, and how that you know, inhibits your recovery. So you're not getting as much from your training and your sport practice. And um, the, the food quality, that's a good point that you might take in 3000 calories, but if you're not absorbing 3000 calories, that's maybe why you're not performing at the level you thought you were and you're quote unquote, a hard gainer. Yeah. You know, you may not actually be a hard gainer. You're just, 
you think you're a hard gainer because you're eating a bunch of garbage and you're not absorbing what you think you are absorbing. So that, that's a really good point. Something I definitely did not think about in terms of nutritionally of trying to aid that. that it's very difficult to talk about because I think, well, it sounds like you're in this position for the first time in your life, but I think most of us at some point in our life have thought like, I'm just going to get as big as possible and I'm going to eat everything I can. And it very quickly turns into a lot of big mouths. You know? and, and like, I'll be the first person to admit it. Like, you know, my coach told me last year, like, if you don't walk into that meet at 275, I'm not wrapping your knees. And it was like, well, I got to eat now. And I, I made those choices a lot, but like, I don't always know if it was really worth it. I don't like, yeah, I put the weight on, but like, I think you can see a lot of things in people. Like my skin broke out like crazy. Like you look at a lot of our videos at the time when I was at my heaviest, I was just eating in total trash. Um, I think something else to talk about a little bit is stress control and cortisol. And it, this gets very complicated, but um, when you, for, for one, like when you start eating that way, the stress that comes in your body, the cortisol that's released, in some ways, inflammation is important for recovery, but in a lot of ways, it's not something that you really need to be playing up too much upon. So uh, I, th I think that a lot of people get obsessed about the calorie for a while, because a lot of athletes want to be bigger. You're talking about how many stories have you heard of football athletes that are told, like, you got to be 300 pounds or you're not going to yep. play in college, right? And like, yep. The scary fact of the matter is that a lot of these kids will do everything they can to play, you know, at a D3 school, and then they're stuck with bad knees and organs that are probably affected in some way for the rest of their life. You know, um, I came out of that meet with uh, stage one hypertension, maybe stage two, like really scary stuff, and uh, thinking like, I don't need to be this weight. Like, I could probably lift these weights at 275 in a lean way, like like not filling out the yeah. class. Or I could probably, if I wanted to, go really in 242 and be a healthier human. Um, I think it's an important thing for a lot of people to look at themselves and say, like, how much do I value this? And I know it's a hard question because, like, everyone wants to think that they can make money and, and live their athletic life for the rest of their life. But like, I had to realize, like, I'm never going to beat Dan Green. So, right. like, right. why am I acting this way? You know, like, yeah. I have to enjoy the sport more than, uh, than I am right now. Uh, I, I, I tell you what, I think that meet for me I was taught me a lot about being an athlete because – I finally beat my like for years. All I wanted to do was squat 700 pounds. I finally did it, and I was like, "This didn't feel as good as I thought it would." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, started to make me really think. Like all those days where I ate like 8,000 calories before I got to the gym, like was it really worth all that misery? Like in a lot of ways, absolutely. I loved every second of it, but um, you know, I want to have kids someday. You know, I want to have a family. I want to do like I want to be alive for that, and. Uh, a lot of athletes have to have to consider that with this stuff uh, it kind of ties all this stuff together the pro hormones um just the way that they treat their bodies i think a lot of people need to have a little bit more of a longevity approach to this which i, I think it really seems like you guys do a well job of, of instilling in kids at first yeah yeah and I, my wife is currently working on her pn1 certification and that we're going to use that to be able to offer you know a free 30-minute consult with each athlete and parent so that we can at least break down and like hey here's some free free knowledge and ways you can make progress outside of here because two to three hours of training a week is great. It's, it's amazing. Your kids 14, 15 years in a weight room, because I would have died for that. I think you got, you're going to give your kids such an advantage. Well, here's, here's a nutritional way you can give them advantage for the other, however many hundreds of hours outside of here that we don't see you because while we can give you the stimulus for the result, if you're not 
eating and feeding and hydrating for the results. They're not going to, they might come a little bit because you're just so young and so anabolic, but you're, you know, if you can aid that, if you can eat like a B student and train like an A student, you're going to be way better off than the kid that trains like an A student and eats like a D student. And you're, you're holding yourself back so much from a nutritional and supplementation standpoint that it's just, it's right there. And, and you come back and saying, you know, how bad after you squat at 700, how they did wasn't that fulfilling. And, you know, I mean, I've had lower back issues ever since I hit that world record and it's, it's, it's probably going to be there for the rest of my life. And like, it's hard to sit back. And like, that's why I make decisions now is like in, I know in less than five years, me and my wife want to be able to have our first child. I think now we're down to a year, two or three years. I mean, now we said five years after we got married, we've been married too. So three years, like, you know, do, do I want to have my back trashed when I have to pick my kid up who knows how many dozens of times a day and whatever? Yeah. I don't want to get a, I don't want to get a low back pump from changing a diaper. Like that's yeah. just not, that's not conducive to having a good life. It was a great run. And then the thing, like I said, the things I had to do so I can at least talk about and explain to people like, Hey, if you, if you want to be at this level, I can tell you what it takes. I eat bread and did it, but you know, do I recommend it? I don't know. You got to ask yourself, are you willing to live with the consequences? Cause you know, at the time I thought I was in, invincible and, you know, putting world record type weights on your body is obviously not conducive to, to doing that. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a really and good point though. I think, uh, I don't know. And, uh, I don't know if this is always the case for you. Cause I think your all time world record still stands, right? I believe it does. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it was really eye opening Cause dude, I, it was, it was one of those moments where like, I thought I was really, I was really hot shit at the time. Like they put 705 on the bar and like everyone in the crowd stood up. Like it was a local PA meet. Like it was yeah. pretty cool. You know, I squatted it. Like I blacked out, came out. I was like raging and stuff. The next, the next lifter up, Nick Forte, just is an absolute freak out of PA just walks up and puts 805 on the bar. It was like, what? <laughs> like I did all of that for you to put a hundred pounds on the next attempt. Like it was, you know, you start to realize like, I think in your case, obviously, it's something really quite impressive, incredible, but a lot of athletes have to realize, like, you may love this, and I absolutely respect that, and I understand, and I identify with that, but, like, how much are you really going to sacrifice to be where you think you're really going to be? Um, it's it's a little bit yeah. more eye-opening when you get to that point, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had to, I, at the time, I had to have my, my ex-girlfriend uh, walk my dog for me, because, like, walking for 20 minutes gave me such a horrible back pump, I couldn't even Right, right, yeah, and that's when we when we try to talk to the kids about like the nutrition stuff. It's like it's like we're not trying to bust your chops. It's just that this is going to do more than just help you in here. It's going to help you. You don't realize it when you're 14, but when you're 34, man, I yeah. wish I would have taken those steps. Like I think back in hindsight, like my parents actually had me eat relatively well. I'm I'm old enough to where it was custom to usually eat at the dinner table, yeah. um, you know, and and fast food wasn't nearly. Uh, as popular as it is now um and there was I, I just think back then not that i'm old but it's just back then it was more normal to do that and now with because i mean i also didn't have a a smartphone so you know not everybody's at the table on their smartphone like we i didn't even have a cell phone until i could drive and when i did it was still t9 and all that kind of stuff yeah so uh, i think that makes a change we're trying to tell the kids that, you know it's not that we want you to be a perfect eater we just want you to try to say, you know, if you want to, if you're with friends, and that's what I try to tell people when I eat. If I'm going to go out for dinner, then I'm probably going to enjoy myself. But if I'm eating at home with my wife, that's the time I should be eating healthy because there's nobody around. It's not a mm-hmm. huge social issue. There's no, um, and she eats well too, so there's no like peer pressure that I'm getting ice cream and she's not. Like right. that that that's that's the time you should eat well. But if you are 
you know, with, you know, if you're at a birthday party and your friend has cake, I'm not telling you don't have cake, like have the cake, but the next day when you're eating breakfast, like have some eggs and oatmeal, don't have four slices of French toast and nothing else. Like that's not <laughs> conducive to your results. Cause we had to tell a kid they need to eat some chicken. And one day he actually ate some chicken before he came to the gym. He's like, well, I actually work out a lot better. Yeah. Mind blowing in it, man. Like, and when you're a hundred pounds, it's not like you've got it like me where I've got to eat 175 grams of protein a day. You're a kid and you need probably maybe a hundred. That's, that's when we think about that, we're like, man, that's super easy. Yeah. Man, I wish I had to eat a hundred grams of protein to make progress. Yeah. And that's what I was saying before when the first question you brought up was like, should kids be eating protein? Like, well, 50 grams of protein is a lot for a hundred pound kid. Yeah. You know, so for a lot of those kids, will it be as effective? I mean, it's going to take a lot of their dietary. I don't really know if that's that important, but for those kids, I mean, I think it would make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, and when it's, I would say on average, especially when you're looking at, like you said, like a, a quality concentrate, something that's 70, 80%, like I want to say it's probably what a buck a scoop or less probably. Absolutely. I think like using, like, like, I know I, I just always go back to their price and each rouse like for a two pound concentrate with about 30 servings, you're spending maybe like 27 bucks. Yeah. That's not bad. At all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think most people can spare 27 bucks a month for that. Uh, especially when like if, if parents are bringing their kids to your training facility and willing to spend that money on there, like they should be willing to spend the money on their diet as well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have any other information that we glazed over? Um, I, and if not, I guess, let people know where they can find you on social media. Um, I'll have all your um, stuff linked in the show notes with price plan and stuff like that. But I guess if people want to hear where they can find you, find out more about you and if they have any supplement questions, if they would possibly want to reach out to you. Yeah. Our YouTube, which is where we get most of our notoriety from is the price cloud B R I C E P L O W. Uh, but I've been working really hard on our Instagram recently. Um, we're just under a thousand followers at this point so that's the easiest place to reach me personally if you send a dm there i'll be answering it probably within five minutes so if you same name over there check us out i'd be happy to answer pretty much any question um there are i will say there are like some newer ingredients coming out that could be promising um and which i don't i didn't talk about much today because i wanted to stick to the fundamentals when we're talking about these kinds of athletes but i will admit there are some other ingredients out there that could be pretty promising for athlete so if anyone ever has any questions i'm happy to talk all right man well i appreciate your time there was a ton of information in there i i know i learned some stuff about supplements that i didn't know um you were the first guy that i thought of and i was like man this is something i want to talk about um there's not enough information for parents out there regarding this and it, it helps to have somebody that actually knows it because while i might be their coach and they look up to me um i also want them to know that I don't know all the answers. I outsource my information from people that know it better than I do. And then I just try to relay it into a, a way that they understand. So um, I appreciate it. I hope you're well in New Jersey and to cross my freaking fingers that there's actually an Arnold this year for 2021. And I can eventually freaking meet you in person because it's, it's still not happened yet. It's been a few years. Like yeah. Five, six years. Yeah. No, this year, uh, hopefully there's an Arnold. I'll be there this year. So maybe we can meet then. All right. Well, thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Thirst for More podcast. Give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Google, and other streaming services. Feel free to visit our website, thirstgym.com. That's T-H-I-R-S-T-G-Y-M.com. And click on the podcast tab to look over show notes and extra free resources. You can also give us a follow on Instagram at Team Thirst. That's T-E-A-M. 
period, T-H-I-R-S-T, or you can give me a follow at B Smitley, that's B-S-M-I-T-L-E-Y, for more updates on future episodes to come. I'm your host, Brandon Smilly, and we'll catch you at the next episode.